Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another Get Genius Podcast. Today's guest is going to make you laugh. He's also going to make you gasp, and he's, he's going to surprise you with his stories that are freaking unreal. It actually sounds like it should be a movie, which I'm, I'm, I, I kinda, I'm kinda seeing that theme with a lot of our guests and I think it's what makes them so awesome. So if anything, you're gonna be inspired yet again by another incredible story, except this one has so many different, uh, so many movie-like qualities to it and uh, you're just gonna really love it. I just know it and you're gonna be surprised, pleasantly surprised, and totally inspired. And his name is Ryan Stuman. He's a best-selling author. He's a motivational speaker. He has his own podcast. Um, he blogs, puts out tremendously awesome content, and he's just an entrepreneur. And um, he really, he does so many awesome things. He has so many different accomplishments. And when you hear like what's happened in his past and where he is today, like, I've got to be pretty mad at you if you have any excuse of why you think you can't do something. So you're going to love his story. Um, he's, he's a genius when it comes to sales and when it comes to marketing and advertising and helping business owners really scale their sales. And he has really great tips and things that you probably wouldn't have thought of because he's not your typical sales trainer if you if you were to call him that i mean um that's what that's what he's an expert in but he's he's just really an expert in connecting with people and understanding the psychology of of a buyer and will hit all of these really great takeaways for you to to implement right away um even if it's just a shift in your mindset so everything that he's he's got to say is going to probably make you laugh and, and definitely surprise you and want to see it in a film like I do. He's super awesome and I'm so stoked to have him on the show. Hey, Ryan. What's going on, Summer? <laughs> um, we're going to learn a lot from you today. I'm, I'm pretty jazzed about this interview because you, you've, got some, uh, you've got some amazing stuff that you've done, a very interesting... Um, filled past and really cool strategies on, on how to close. So I'm really excited for our listeners. You know, when it comes to the shit, I am full of it. So Perfect. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, okay. You have done a lot, like, like a lot, a lot. I know you've got this like incredibly long list of, you know, all these accomplishments and, and things that you've done, but I want to go back to, you at like 17 years old, you dropped out of school, you were labeled with ADD. I want to know what made you decide at that age to drop out of school and then kind of give us the, the journey to where you are today. We just like, 
We don't even have like any like dancing period or anything. We're just getting right to we're, it here. No, it's like, getting, hey, tell us about that time you dropped out of school, Stuman. I like it. That's like what it. we do. We You're get my down, people. I like this. <laughs> exactly. Down and dirty right off the bat. <laughs> you know, I will say this. That, you know, first, thanks for having me on and, and, and all the stuff that we're supposed to say. But I, I, I like you. Like we got on here. We just immediately start talking business. There didn't have to be like uh, – and even the podcast, the same thing. But in the pre-roll, it was like, uh, you know, hey, you ready to do this? I'm ready to do this. We just got after it. I love yeah. it. So. You know, You're an action I get, take <laughs> I'm one of those people, you know, they have those little quotes about, about the meetings. Once again, another meeting that could have been done in like four bullet points. I'm that person. Like I hate, you know, I'm like, let's just get yep. down to what we need to talk about. So <laughs> I love it too. I'm the same way. I think it's, it's a sign of like somebody who's busy, you know, and somebody right. who has stuff to do. So, uh, well, I, I was, like you said, I, I, I played sports all the way up until the eighth grade and they, they put me on like a uh, Ritalin. And it, it screwed me up and I, man, I just, I, I felt like a burnout and I felt like strung out all the time. And what's weird, Summer, is because I was on this ADD drug, I mean, it's meth, basically. Ritalin's like methamphetamine, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, you take Adderall today, that's what it says on the deal. It says amphetamine salt combo. So like here I am, I'm on, you know, basically on crank, <laughs> like the, you know, the 90 speed. And then my parents are like, he looks like he's on drugs all the time. Well, no shit. You guys got me <laughs> high as giraffe ass over here on these pills. And they, they wouldn't let me quit. And every time I tried to quit, you know, I'm getting moody and stuff like that. When you go through withdrawals and they would say, it's because you're getting off your medicine. And so anyway, it was just like this consistent battle. And, and the thing was, I'm, uh, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'm fast. Like I get things fast, I adapt to things fast, I understand things fast, and just like you and I just talked about, I don't need 10 hours worth of explanation on how to do a, a geometry equation. Tell me how the, the thing works, let me go do it, and, and I'm done, you right, know? And, right. and school drove me nuts. And so in the actually eighth grade, I went to the ninth grade, I didn't finish the ninth grade, uh, just because I didn't show up at class and stuff, I was so bored and I didn't like my teachers, and it, it was weird. Like, I, I, this is a side note. Today when I showed up to take my four-year-old to I, I my I just had a son last week my well I didn't my wife did but I just had a son we had a son last week oh, congratulations. and I've been taking the kids to school because you know she had uh you know she give birth she can't drive for like two weeks or whatever and so I've been taking the kids to school which is something I normally don't do but they've got this new lady at my kids and they go to private school you know and and but they got this new lady at there and she reminds me of like the mean old like teachers that you just hated when you're in school she's like standing <laughs> there every morning and every time I walk by her I'm like am I gonna get in trouble today it's just the oddest things these years later. But, but so anyway, I, I didn't graduate the ninth grade. I was like really uncomfortable. I knew my teachers didn't like me. I didn't like going anyway. And I had this job washing cars and I was uh, selling car washes. So I was making like, you know, maybe five, four or $500 a week. So hell, I was living high on the hog for, you know, a 17 year old anyway. And so, or for a 15 year old rather. And so I quit school when I was 15 and, uh, and then I actually got my GED when I turned 17. So I never finished the, like the eighth grade was the last year that I completed. But like most people, summer that drop out of school and are high as giraffe ass on some designer drugs that their parents got them on, <laughs> I started using real drugs. And, uh, you know, the first time that I tried cocaine, uh, it was like all in the same night. So it wasn't like the first time, but it was all the same night. Like I overdosed and died. And then I ended up getting, uh, wow. like I died. They brought me back to life and they arrested me. I'm like, you should have just let me leave. Damn it. You should have just let me go. Right. Like it's like, Oh no, bring them back and then arrest them. Let's make this really bad for them. Wow. And, uh, and so it's like, you know, sometimes it, it, and I'm glad they, they brought me back now, but like, geez, you know, like what a rough night. And so, um, after fighting that in court for a while, I ended up getting sentenced to two years in prison. So like I am your stereotypical 
like dropped out of school, got on drugs, overdosed, went to prisons. Like, yeah, this guy's got a great success story. Yeah. And and so like, but that's what happened to me. And I got out of prison and I went back to work at that car wash. And uh, while I was in prison, I became a reformed man. Like, I mean, I was just somewhere the other night and uh, there was pretty crazy, shaky stuff going down. And they're like, you don't get involved in none of this. I'm like, nope, I'm out of here, folks. Like, I'm, I'm pretty straight laced, dude, despite, you know, like my really casual way I carry myself. I'm pretty straight laced. You know, prison really did scare the hell out of me. And I got out. I got a job at the car wash. And, uh, you know, my, my whole life goal is to be the best damn car wash dude ever. Yeah. And uh, I was doing a really good job of winning that. And I had helped several of the stores for the company that I worked for go, you know, whichever one I was at became number one. It was no coincidence after I did it like the third time. And finally, I worked here in the city that I live in now, Plano, at the car wash. And one of the regular customers offered me a job in mortgages. And so I took her up on the job in mortgages. And within my first like two weeks of working there, I made like 6,800 bucks or something like that. It was a ridiculous amount of money for me coming from prison. Yeah. I made this. And then like the next month I made like $7,400. And then all of a sudden I got no more bills. I'm rich. Like, I mean, and I know obviously, you know, $100,000 a year is not rich. But to me at that time, that was more money than my parents made. It was more money than anybody I knew made. Oh, yeah. Else. And, um. Did really well. So I bought, sold a bunch of houses and, and made millions of dollars. And then, damn it, if I didn't have to go back to prison again. Uh, <laughs> I was really successful in the mortgage business. And uh, I lived in a very small town, a town Allen, Texas. Not so small now. Still shitty town, though. But anyway, uh, shout out to those guys. And uh, anyway, so I lived in this town. And I had, like, nice cars and a house and things that young men do when they start making money for the first time. Just sort of doing stupid stuff. You buy nice things that you don't need. And and uh, and I was making, you know, in 2005, I made 700 grand. Uh, and so, you know, was making more money than I could spend at that age. And I didn't have any debt or no college, you know, no credit cards. I'd never had any of that stuff. So we just had bunches of cash and bought different things. And the cops thought I was selling drugs. And for the record, people like I've been around drugs, thousands of drug dealers as roommates in prison, like rich people don't sell drugs. That's some Hollywood stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. you might go over to a rich dude's house who has some drugs, <laughs> right? But he is not the drug dealer. They let the poor idiots that are risk go to jail, do that stuff. Right. But the cops, they think that like, oh, he must be rich from drugs. He's got all these cars or whatever. And that's what he did before they kicked him my door. Believe it or not, three o'clock in the afternoon, I wasn't even home. And they find no drugs in my house because obviously I'm a banker. I'm not even. I'm not a drug dealer. You know, I'm uh, way past that. And so, uh, but they did find a gun in the home. And in Texas, you can own a gun. And so they arrested me for it. And then I proved my papers and, and ended up beating the case. And uh, our good president George Bush was going through some freaking weird thing, I guess. And uh, he had a law that was on the books that Obama actually got rid of, but it, it was on the books when uh, Bush was president. And uh, it had to do with guns and traveling across state. Well, that gun had been purchased from like a uh, uh, the Glock factory in Tennessee. And so they considered that crossing state lines. And the ATF tried me and tried to give me a life sentence pretty much. They tried to give me 25 more years. And uh, the crazy thing, Summer, is like during the middle of all that, fighting the feds and the ATF and paying my lawyer, my lawyer – this is a very significant part of the story. He's a black dude, and he's a Democrat from Dallas, Texas, okay? And it's not I'm not saying Dallas is racist or anything like that, but they ain't never had a black dude in the district attorney's office or as one of the judges or anything in the judicial system ever. They've always been Republicans, always been white dudes and Hispanic people. Well, so my, my lawyer decides he's going to be the first black district attorney of Dallas County, and he runs, and he wins. 
right? Like, uh, like he, he like spent like three thousand dollars <laughs> on his campaign. It was ridiculous, but like the three thousand dollars he spent, and I helped him with this, right? Obviously, it, it was a, a it was a big benefit to me as well. But like the three thousand dollars he spent was like on buses, bussing people from the projects into the voting booths. Man, he was really a mad genius. And he's like, wow. hey man, we'll buy your lunch and we'll bus you in if you just vote for us today, because he knew like. All the all the rich white folks that usually vote Republican, they were going to be at work that day. And man, he showed up with everybody from the south side of Dallas and got them to vote. Man, it was actually really clever. And he became the district attorney. Well, in in becoming the district attorney, he actually got them to lower my sentence to 15 months. So I had to go back to oh. a, um, a a security like a maximum security inside the fence with razor wire and all that good stuff back to uh, a cell for prison for 15 months while I was in there. Right before I left, I, I got married to the, the girl that I've been dating for two years so that she could control my estate. She controlled it all into her control and her oh. new boyfriend. And within oh, three no. months, of 15 months, not even that long. You know what I mean? It's like a little over a year. And she like three months into it, she's got somebody else in her life and they're spending my money. So I literally came out in 2008. I went in in 2000, arrested in 2005, fought it for two years, went in in 2007, got out. At 15 months later in 2008, and I had $1,200 to my name. That was to get me a place to live, and that was money I'd actually saved in prison. I've always been pretty good at saving money, and that was money I actually saved, but people had put on my books that I didn't spend on you know, commissary and stuff like that. And I had to, you know, uh, I owed money for my truck. My grandma had been making my truck payment and stuff like that because, like, the, the wife, she just disappeared, served me divorce papers, took all my furniture, oh. all of our assets, sold all of our houses, like, you know, and, uh, and so anyway, I literally like have hit rock bottom a few times in my life, as you can see from our just like brief 10 minute story here that I've told you. Um, and, but when I got out of prison, I with no money, I finally got a job at this this mortgage company, finally give a two time felon chance. It was hard enough to get it the first time. Then the second time, like, well, I got I got I've been to jail before. OK, OK. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like what well, I'm sure I know you, you think, man, you talk good, you know your stuff, but there, there's a catch, man. I've got some baggage that I've got to carry in here. Hang on. I'm going to need you to hold some of it too. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I get a job in the mortgage company within 30 days. I'm their top producer and I'm back making 300 grand a year at this bank job. And uh, that was in 2008. By the end of 2009, I'd made $300,000 on my W-2 for the year. And then I'll be damned if in 2009 they passed a law called the Dodd-Frank Act, and in 2010 when it went into play, they wouldn't let felons write loans anymore, so I lost my job in my oh. career. Only thing I'd ever known besides washing cars. Yeah. And uh, one of my real estate agents was like, dude, you're like always motivating people, and like you're so good at sales, and you like – you, you have like this personality and this this story that like every time life knocks you down, you like get back up and go kick its ass again. Dude, you need to – he gave me these CDs. Like you need to listen to these DVDs. I paid $8,000 for them and my friend's a cheap bastard. And I'm like, what? $8,000? Well, yeah. Watch these. And I'm like, I'm going to watch these to see how much like uh, like how they sold you $8,000 worth of DVDs because I'm in disbelief basically. And – it was Ryan Dice and Frank Kern in those DVDs, oh. and they just opened my eyes to this world, and and uh, and I committed, and that was in 2011, where I finally said, you know, I'm going to become a, uh, a sales trainer, a business consultant, a best-selling author. I'm going to do it all. I'm not just going to do one thing, just like I was the best car washer, and I could wash 1,400 cars in a 10-hour day because I knew how to do it. I'm going to crank out the most blog posts, the most books, the most videos, the most ridiculous content. I'm going to say the things nobody else will say. I'm going to be the voice of the silent. And dude, I just went to work. 
And in 2013, I incorporated the Hardcore Closer brand and, you know, have been at it for a while now. And for the last two years in a row, we've done multiple seven figures and we're on our way to have our biggest year yet this year. We're, we're almost, uh, <clears throat> we're on track already to double last year, which was a big year for us. And so, you know, it's, I, I'm not an overnight success. I'm actually a lifelong struggle that finally broke through. And a lot of it's been due to upper limits and stuff like that. So I'm sure I'm, I'm going to let that set in with you and the audience and everything for a minute and, and finally stop talking for a second here. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I want to say this is a movie, but it's really like a series. <laughs> that's, that's like, wow. Okay. So now that's so much. And you have such this like high energy humor, like totally positive outlook on all of it, which is so awesome. And I've, I've heard you once call it strength conditioning, all of these challenges that, you know, have happened. I love that. I think that's so great. Can you kind of like elaborate how you came up with that? Well, yeah, you know, I think the only way that life gets easier is if, if you if you push harder, right? Like in the gym, for example, the only way that it gets easier to lift 200 pounds is if you push harder to lift 250. Yeah. And I think, are, are you Christian, religious at all or whatever? Uh, more, more spiritual than I am religious. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not religious either. So th that didn't have to get weird or anything like that. <laughs> I asked when... When I was in prison, I read the Bible, which most people do, and I read the Quran, and the, like you know, I've read a lot of religious books just for the fact that I had all this damn time on my yeah. hands. And so, uh, in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there's a story about this guy Joseph, and I remember the first time I read it, I was like, dude, that's me! Like, holy crap! Like, I feel like they're writing my story in the in the Bible. Like, this is insane. And again, I'm not looking at it from a religious standpoint. But the story is basically Joseph's brothers, he was like, his dad liked him, and then his brothers got jealous, they sold him into slavery, he becomes a slave, and then he has this dream, and he interpret, or the, the king has this dream, and Joseph interprets his dream and goes from being a slave to being the king's right-hand man, but then the king's wife basically tries to bang Joseph, Joseph turns her down, she goes and tells the king he did it anyway, so then they send him and make him a prisoner. And then they there's this other... Uh, 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 Another king, a pharaoh, becomes another one passes, and he has a dream, and they remember that this guy Joseph saved the other people's dreams, so they bring him up, and he puts together this 14-year economical plan and saves Egypt and helps them and everything else and becomes the most powerful man in all of Egypt. And when he's finally the most powerful man in Egypt, he's sitting down next to the pharaoh at the dinner table, and his father and brothers happen to walk in because they were trading from another country. And he tells them the story. He says, you may not remember me. And he tells his brothers, what you did to me, you meant for evil. But God meant it for good. And I think of my life like that, like I've been through all these things that maybe the planet meant for evil, but the universe is meant for it to be strength conditioning because how can I sit here and be a testimonial that you can come back from rock bottom if I can't say that I've done four months of my life in solitary confinement and still come back and made a million dollars? And if you're like, oh, well, money's not that important, man, you should see my wife. You should see my kids. We have the happiest family ever. I have a family of choice that I've chosen to do the rest of my life with that I'm committed to. And, and as many times I've had my heart broken and I've been through all this stuff, these were strength conditionings for me to appreciate the person I have in my life right now, to me to appreciate the employees that work with me, the business partners that I have, the clients that I have, the lifestyle that I have, because I've, I've lost it all so much before. But the best part about all of it is it allows me to be a voracious risk taker because I don't give a shit. I survived prison rights. You think I give yeah. a damn if I owe a credit card company or an internet marketing company money? I don't. I'm not scared of anything. 
And so like bill collectors, I don't have those problems. I'm debt free, but I'm saying if I have to take that risk, it's not really a risk to me because I've already risked life before. And nothing's taking you down. That's so great. That's so, that's like, we could end right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's just, that's so, so inspiring. I love that. And thank you for that. Um, Okay, so now that we now 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 I'm like wow I'm just like letting all of that that not all of that set in. Usually I'm so great at like transitioning into the next thing, and I'm just like wow, I'm just sitting there and taking it all in. Um, but I'm going to transition here. I want to talk about I want to talk about you know how you how you found this love for sales and and training and you know. Maybe I mean I'm sure it's it's part of your experience that you're that you bring into this. So, were you always good at sales, or was it something that you developed, taught yourself? Like, what's what's the story with you and and coming into sales training? All right, so let's get weird here. It, okay. In my life, I was adopted at age seven. Like I said, I left my parents' home when I was fifteen. Uh, you know, seventeen got my GED, nineteen in prison. We went through that. Sales, if you, if you listen to the stories, like I sold car washes. Then after I got out of prison, I went back and sold car washes. Then I sold mortgages. Then I lost my license and I started selling this stuff. In, in everything in my life that's abandoned me or hurt me, sales is the only thing that's ever always been there. Like I don't have parents. Like if, if I got into debt or something, I don't talk to my parents, man. They're not going to pay my bills. I don't even know who those people are, you know, and, and I, I haven't talked to them in probably seven years now. It's been forever. And if, if something happens, I don't have any fallbacks, but I know sales and sales is always there for me. And I know that a lot of people that are in sales, they're there because they're like me. They come from this hardcore lifestyle and they made some bad decisions when they were young or they couldn't afford to go to, uh, to college or their parents didn't, you know, have the best decisions for them. And so they got into sales and then they make money and they usually do stupid stuff with it, like hookers and blow and bottle service and all these things. And I'm not telling people not to go have a good time. And I'm not judging people if they want to do drugs, by all means, whatever makes people happy. But what I am is I'm being a voice out there that can be real. And I can tell these stories and I can say that this is the other side. And I can tell you that, you know, sales is going to be the only thing that's there for you. And my business is more than just sales. Like people know me as the hardcore closer, uh, just because that just became a nickname that people in the sales community would call me be like, dude, that guy's the hardcore closer and it just kind of started like that. And I know if, if you get a cool nickname, like don't knock it because your next nickname could suck. And then everybody calls you like shitty McFart pants or something like that. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I was the hardcore closer. I should have just went with that one. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> and so it just kind of came about, but it, you know, I really do so much more than just sales. It's, it, it's actually a really small part about, of what we do. We, well, we're focused on sales, but like the traditional sales when people think like getting on the phone or all that stuff, that's not what we're really about. It's like more of a modern thing. But I know that anytime I'm in trouble, the one thing that I can count on, get me out of it, pay my bills, whatever, has always been sales. And I know there's a lot of people out there that if they could figure out how to get better at it, whether it be through making funnels or videos or doing podcast interviews or whatever the case is, if they can figure out how to get better at it then they can make more money. And I've seen it because I've helped people become millionaires at this point in my career. So I've seen someone's quality of life. Uh, you know, I've seen people go through divorce and then end up happier than they've ever been before and finally find the person that they were clear about and intentional. I've seen these life changes and people build organizations and huge companies that go on to employ thousands of people. I've helped people do that at this point. And, you know, it's, it's all been done through sales. And I, I mean, it just, that's what keeps me passionate, you know? So, 
for you, um, in, you know, having sold various different things, what, what's important to you when selling a product or service? Like, could you just sell anything or does it have to mean something to you? No, you know what? I have to believe in it. I believe that I'm the best at what I do right now. That's why I, uh, I sell this stuff. I believe that with 1400 YouTube videos and 800 handwritten blog posts and another 200 blog posts throughout entrepreneur and Forbes and five best selling books and all the other stuff that I've done, I, I've sell it because I believe in it prior to this. The last real sales job I had was I sold cars for six months uh, so I could have insurance when my oldest son was born. And I was the top producer there and I drove, I sold Fords and Lincolns and I drove the most expensive car that Ford made, which is a Lincoln MKS. And because I want, I believed in the product, right? I went to the place that I bought the car from to get a job. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, you know, I was in the mortgage business. I've, I'm on house number 41 right now. I just put the contract on my 41st home. And so like, obviously I'm a big believer in real estate and investing and owning and all that stuff. And, uh, and so the thing is, you know, I, I have to really believe in it. I own an alarm company, uh, yourfreealarm.com. We give uh, free alarm systems away to people from ADT. And the way that I got into that is I, I somebody gave me an alarm from ADT, and uh, I upgraded and bought some cameras and stuff like that. I think it's the coolest thing on the planet. And I was like, man, I want to sell this stuff because I like it. Yeah. And so, you know, now we got an alarm company that does a significant amount of business in and, you know, it's, again, it's, I have to believe in it. It has to be something that I think is, is tangible and cool. So I couldn't just, I could sell anything. I mean, I'm a salesperson. You put it in front of me, I'll sell it. I mean, I, I'm confident enough to say that, but I don't want to sell anything other than something that I, I really like and, 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 and am passionate about, you know? Right, right. So why have, why are you touted as the voice of reason in the sales community? Well, you know, again, we started this podcast out talking about, you know, guns and drugs in prison. And, and we've covered all sorts of various topics. You can't get a guy like uh, Grant Cardone on here to have that conversation with you. You sure can't get a guy like Brian Tracy to get on here and have that conversation with you. And I like both of those fellas, right? I, it's nothing against them. It's just that that would be way bad for their brand because that's not who they've built themselves at, right? They grants the church of Scientology and he's very active in there. And Brian Tracy's the Christian church and he's very uh, active in there. And, and so you've got the same with when Zeke Ziegler was alive. And I'm the first guy that I know of to really come along and be like, hey, man, you know, I know that we like to have these sales trainers that pretend that we all go to church on Sunday and are all going to heaven. But I know because I work with you fuckers. Most of us are going to hell <laughs> and there's got to be somebody to communicate with y'all, too. Yeah. And turns out there's more degenerates in the sales industry than there's not. Then there's church people. Right. And I just being funny saying degenerates. But there's more people like me in the sales industry than the guys that are polished and go to church. Right. There's a whole lot more folks like me, and, and there was nobody out there really catering to them. And so I got to step up and, and be that person, and I don't have a, a, a financial license or a real estate license or any kind of anything other than a license to do business in the state of Texas. I don't have any bosses or any authorities or governing spots, so I could basically just tell it like it is, and nobody can fire me. And as long as I pay my taxes, I can keep doing business. As long as I don't rip customers off, then I can stay in business. And I get to say the things that the other people can't. And look, it, it was hard. At first, people would say things like, you shouldn't be cussing on Facebook, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. and, and now that's like the norm, you know? But in the beginning, people were like, it, it was hard for them to embrace my realness. But, you know, I've gotten at this point hundreds of thousands, like literally over the past five years, hundreds of thousands of messages that said, hey, Ryan, 
that blog post video, whatever it is that you made changed my life, man. And I want to, I want to thank you. There's nobody else out there talking to us. I get messages every day, five, 10, sometimes a hundred, depending on what I post. It's like, dude, I'm a felon too, man. And it's, it's, it's nice to know that, that I can, you know, if I just keep pushing, I can make it. Hey, I went through some bad things when I was young too. It's nice to, <clears throat> excuse me. It's nice to see that you're making your way up there. And that gives me hope that I can do it too. That, you know, just as much as I'm inspiring those people, they're inspiring me because I'm like, dude, I got to be the leader. It's like I'm the older brother in this family. If I go out here and I screw all this up, then that gives all these people the reason to screw up, too. I got to act right now. Right. You know, right. and, and I, I've got to be the, the person that says the things that other people don't so that I can show these people that you don't have to have drugs. Right. I don't do drugs. You don't have to have drugs to have a good time. You don't have to drink yourself to death because you hate your job selling. Like I show them that there's alternatives that save their lives. And, you know, like I said, nobody else is out there doing it in the same way that I can because they would be scared to lose, uh, lose people. And I think of it this way, like it's okay if you have 2 million fans on Facebook or a bigger list than me or whatever. I'm really trying to just mess with the top 5% anyway. You know, yeah. I'm not looking for a huge following. I'm looking for the alphas that are like, yeah, this is the kind of shit that I'm into and this guy gets my problems. That's what I'm into anyway. And I'm not for everybody. You know, I'm not, I'm not the, the typical like Joel Osteen types that are in this industry. That's so, that's such a key takeaway is like really knowing who you are and who you're speaking to and who you're connecting with. That makes all the difference. Um, so that, and that's the same, obviously with when it, when it comes to sales, what do you think people are struggling with when it comes to, to sales or what have you noticed with the people that you've worked with? You know, it's funny. The folks that I work with are typically good at sales already. Uh, most, my average client makes, you know, the average client probably makes 300 grand a year, but like our low end clients make $150,000 a year to get to that level. You got to be somewhat good at sales. Right. And so <clears throat> most of my people don't have a sales problem. They have a systems problem. And so we have a few simple things that we put in place that allow them to train and scale faster. And it allows them to get 